0: Our next guests are the co hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This
1: is The Big Show. They call me
0: Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Mm. Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's
2: The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Thirsty, thirsty Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. Happy
0: Thursday. Let's get rolling.
1: It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80. The Zone broadcasting live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Eric Jensen producing today in for Austin Horton across the glass from us. Gordon, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Did you just barely notice that Austin wasn't here? No, I knew he oh. wasn't here. I saw that look on your face like,
3: oh, no, that I was is Eric. I was looking at Eric's uh, t-shirt.
1: Oh, what is it? Oh, a Coca-Cola T-shirt. How about that?
3: Does everybody have a Coke T-shirt or a Coke hat or uh, a Coke something or other?
1: I do.
2: I've rarely seen – I don't see a lot of people wearing really? Coca-Cola merchandise. I,
3: I, I know Austin has one, and I have a Coke hat uh,
1: that I got from that goofy store
3: down in Vegas. Yeah. yeah,
1: well, I love that store. I have a bunch of Coca-Cola stuff, actually, because our family's kind of a Coca-Cola family. Hmm. Well, I just seen that a lot. It's not like it's not up there with Star Wars T-shirts, but you know, seen seen quite a bit. It's good to see uh, Eric because I guess it wasn't the last time I saw you, Eric. But I had a funny interaction with Eric. What happened? I, I saw him in uh, in the real world. Was. Oh, was that when he blew you off? <laughs> well I mean, it, it big time. you. No, it? he didn't really big time me. That was that's a joke. But it was yeah. one of those awkward things where where he didn't recognize me and I said hello to him and it was <laughs> Eric, it you was, wanna
3: give us your side of the story? Because 'Cause yeah. Jake's been talking about this for like three or
1: four oh, days. Now. I have not. You, I, I think you're I, overblowing it. Gordon. I tell you the story once and oh he's just oh, I'm you, talking you about this it, like three or four. You told it times. at
3: least twice, my friend. Uh oh.
1: Yeah, no,
2: I was just, uh, I went home to my parents for the weekend who, you know, I grew up by where Jake lives and um, I went up to the 7-Eleven on 4500 South as one does on the 4th of July to stock up on a bunch of junk food. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I mean, I walked up, there there was this little Chevrolet parking lot and I was with my brother focused on, you know, other things. I probably had headphones in listening to music. And I saw I did see I did see somebody wave at me, but I just kinda glanced back and just you and know just kept walking kept, kept walking.
1: He just didn't recognize me. That's all. Yeah. I was pulling in to get gas. But you know what? I thought, is that Eric? And then I saw the uh uh um Von Miller jersey he was wearing, and I thought, yeah, that's Eric. <laughs> <Naving> away, <dude. laughs> I said, I even had a snappy little joke, because Eric works a lot and he works a lot on the weekends. He does a bunch of bees stuff for us and and Eric does a great job. But uh so and it was I think it was Sunday. And yeah, it so was, I yeah. uh, I made the joke like, Hey, I said, Hey Eric, aren't you supposed to be working? And then he kind of glanced around <laughs> and thought, Who is this psychopath talking to me? And then and then kept going. He did you hear didn't... what he
2: said? No, I did. Oh. I did not hear that. My brain. You were in the zone. You were talking to yeah. your brother. Yeah, oh, he was walking. On my off they days, were... Gordon, my brain goes to different places. It's, it's oh, all right. good. That's
1: that's healthy. I did not take offense. I knew what happened. He was I, talking to his brother. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it's deal. not that big a
2: deal. But I
3: up a lot of people do what you did. I I think that happens a lot, where somebody has something on their mind, or they like you said, you're, your phones in, or you're not really paying close attention. To what's going on around you, I I, I think that big timing thing
1: uh, happens probably more often accidentally than it does. I'm on sure purpose. it does. In this one, it was definitely accidental. You know me; I like to blow things up and make a big joke out of it. But <laughs> not really? No.
3: Could you explain that to me a little more clearly? What?
2: I've only done it a couple of times.
1: What are you talking <laughs> about? How do you
3: do that to me What, what every sounds day?
2: like happened here is this wasn't a big deal. It wasn't being brought up a lot, but Gordon really wanted to talk about it. No,
1: it was
3: brought up. No,
2: I brought it
1: up. I, today I brought it up. Brought it up a few times. You make it sound like it's all I'm talking about. I just told you the story the, the day after it happened. I said, hey, I saw Eric over the weekend. And he big time. And he big-timed me. Big-timed me. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did not, but that, yeah. He didn't do it on purpose, no. and I,
3: you know, intent is uh pretty important when it comes to that kind of thing. I think I do that all the time because I'm kind of a daydreamer. See, now dude. you might have different yeah. motivations. No, no, no not Eric, at all. Eric's just not a, at all an innocent civilian here. No, You're like no. a big celebrity no, who doesn't know. No, no. I'm a daydreamer, man, and sometimes when I'm thinking, I'm in deep in
1: thought, thinking about something, and then somebody walks by and I you're the uh. you're the guy who throws the headphones on in the store that's not even connected to anything. You just want people to think like, oh, he couldn't hear me. Oh, like you haven't done that. Well, I I usually at least hit play, you know. So I'm actually. <laughs> listening Have you ever to pretended something. you were on the phone? I know oh, somebody man. who did that once. I I know somebody who
3: did that a lot, and his phone rang while he was. President. That's funny.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Oh well, it's a good day.
3: Is it? I think so. You're having a good day. It's a Thursday, and uh, yeah, good. Day. I, 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 love, thought... I love the summertime, you know I do, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, got to hold on to these days. The, one of the best things about fall is that football is approaching. It is close, yes, and it is. I mean, we're we're good. Uh, we're, what are we uh, today's the fifteenth? Camp opens what the first week of August. I'm going
1: to Pac-12 Media Day. What is that? I think uh, I'm leaving Monday week? the twenty sixth. Pactel yeah, twelve yeah. media days Tuesday the twenty seventh. So mm-hmm. what what is that like a week and a half away? Two weeks away? Close. Yeah. yeah. So they, you know that's usually the sign that things are getting getting going. And I know we already had BYU media day, but they do that so early. I don't I know, have the. To...
3: It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, why? Because
1: they can have the landscape all to themselves. But
3: can't they do it like early
1: and like can't they do it mid July instead of mid June? Well, I'm not sure. Are there media days going on right now? Usually they kind of, they don't overlap each other, you know what I mean? Like we'll Uh, have SEC media days and the Big 12 media days and all that stuff. Well,
3: here's my reasoning. I'm not just picking on BYU here. I'm just saying that once media day happens, now you start to get wound up and excited for the football season. BYU does that in June, and it's like having Christmas in you know, November, beginning of November. I bet they like it though. Why? Because they can get it out of the way. Can, I can understand why certain staff members might want to get it I out of the, the way. I bet the coaches love it. But but wait a second. You get your
1: you get your fans all psyched up, and then then it just drops off. Yeah, but July's dead, right? So you can instead of cutting your vacation short, you get it out, <laughs> out of the way, and then you get out of
2: town. Big well, to- Big Twelve Media Days, July fourteenth and fifteenth. F- SEC is. July nineteenth through twenty second. Yeah. ACC so, does it So 21st BYU point. So do
3: it
1: after a week after the fourth of July weekend. Well, that's what he that's what he's saying. That's that was when what Big Twelve media day no, was. Big Twelve is fourteenth. Big Twelve
2: is right now. Oh, like well, it's the fifteenth. It's happening. It would I had time, right now. Big Twelve July fourteenth and fifteenth. Anyway, well, whatever. It's getting closer.
1: You should you should call Tom and see if you can handle some of the scheduling.
3: Well, I think he should just lay the letter of the law down, and say, "Boom, this is when it's happening," because it it gets your fan base all all frothed
1: up, and then and then you power straight into camp. But isn't the point to get as much attention as you possibly can? <laughs> and 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 you know what? When it comes to where the TV truck's going to be, they're not going to pick BYU over the Big Twelve. Yeah, but how much attention are they getting in June? More than they would probably. <laughs> okay, whatever. I was just thinking of the fans. But it Forgive is early. Me. I'm it thinking is, of the fans. It is early enough that it's not the, like, signal of the beginning like it is in uh, July or late July. So are you getting ready to, for
3: the you know introductory stuff that you do all day uh, on Pack? You know what? I'm
1: going to be so boring <laughs> and so unenergetic. Hey, how are Media you? Day and so unfriendly. That it's and I'm gonna do it on purpose just to rub your noses in it. (laughs) All you're getting is (laughs) Coach Edwards, thank you for joining us. How are you today? (laughs) You ever do Aaron
3: Rodgers thing? Yes, I'm going Aaron (laughs) Rodgers on
1: Jeopardy just because you guys make fun of me so much. Oh, come on, we're just having good fun. Hello, Coach Whittingham. So nice to see you.
3: (laughs) Say, say uh what do you want,
1: Kyle? <laughs> I have a little anger to it. Whoopi on the view is going to have nothing on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's going to just be Ugh. monotone, <laughs> lack of energy. For do the you entire have, Eric, do you have that? No, no, stop it. He can't find it, and we're not going to make it <laughs> look bet he, it. I bet he could. Find I, it. I am, I'm, I'm not doubting his abilities. I'm just saying he can't find it. A lot of enthusiasm. You know what he can find, though, Gordon, is the open to the split story of the day where we can talk about why I thought you were going to be having a bad day today. Let's get to it.
0: Two guys. Two topics. Two two opinions. Two. talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
1: Gordon. The NBA Finals is now tied up at two games apiece. Your sons drop a close one last night, one oh nine to one oh three to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I was rooting for the Bucks. I don't believe you for one hot I was. second. Not Everybody in my second. family
3: was rooting for the Bucks because they want to see this series go on. Because it's a good series. I mean, you and Austin were the ones that were saying this was a boring series. They weren't really Yeah, any you know, you've got to be into this series. I mean, it's got a lot of stuff going on, and I was rooting for the Bucks to win that because I didn't want to see it come to an end. Mm-hmm. Why is that so hard to believe? Because you,
1: you're such a Suns
3: guy. And Devin I don't... Booker, come on. And, and the refereeing, what was that?
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, let the guy foul, and you don't want to foul him out so you don't blow the whistle? That was one of the most egregious cases uh, of a referee who did not do his job that I've seen uh, Ever. And you don't like people who complain about refs. I don't. I don't. Usually I don't. But that was pathetic. That see, was ridiculous.
1: That referee should be reprimanded in a major way. And I don't even know who it was. Um, see, here's, here's the difference between you and me. You go right to the negative. I'm going to my first thing from that game is that block is one of the most incredible plays. Uh, it it I've was seen. good. It was good. In, yeah. Incredible. People and, say greatest block ever. Come on, give me a break. No, but I don't know about re- that. It was really good. And I also thought, you know, we see Rudy Gobert actually do that quite a bit. Plays well, plays like that. But I mean, circumstance, uh, the the when it was in the game, yes, you know, all those I'll sorts of things mm-hmm. made it so much. You know, the fact that he was, you couldn't. Speaking of a refereeing, I mean, that was as clean as block shots get. I mean he his body his hand everything were in such the perfect spot. I wonder I wonder what the odds are of not committing a foul in that <laughs> circumstance are. I mean very low I would think. Especially if you break the
3: play down. He was it was a pick and roll and so he was heading out to guard and then the lob came in and he read that perfectly turned on a dime and was there to make the play. It that was spectacular defense, by Giannis. honest. It
1: was no it was. It it was amazing and then uh you know obviously give Chris Middleton a ton of credit. He had uh, a spectacular game. Um and Drew Holiday. Uh, now, here's here's where I was wrong, Gordon. Uh I thought it was really important for Drew Holiday to have a good game on both sides of the ball. Well, offensively, uh eh, uh eh. Four for twenty. Yeah, was, that's not exactly not, what you're you hoping know, 0 for. Oh for five from three. I mean, he did have seven assists and seven rebounds, and and certainly was impactful. But the way he played defense on Chris Paul. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and that he was very, great.
3: And that very big turnover near
1: right near the end of the game. Wow, that Here, was a big play. Players that can play defense are so valuable. I they they are so unbelievably valuable. The trick is are they good enough at offense to make it worth playing them, yeah. you know? And Drew Holiday is certainly that. But, I mean, a player that can go out, you know, if Chris Paul is is taking it to you in two games and you can pull a player aside who has that kind of capability and say listen, you need to go guard Chris Paul and he is not going to win this series for that team. And to actually be able to go out and do it is is pretty impressive. Alright, now I've got a little
3: Point to uh, to uh, argue with you over. You said, "Here is where I was wrong," as though I was wrong somewhere. Where Where was I wrong?
1: Oh, you're wrong all the time. What, I mean, because circumstance. I
3: picked. I said the Bucks were going to win that game. Okay, but you said here's where I was wrong, as though you were alluding to some place that I was wrong. Well, and I wasn't wrong. you were wrong about a lot of I stuff. Said, <laughs> I mean, pick
1: a pick a pick a circumstance. Any and, subject? Uh, yeah, whatever you're looking um, for. I, I, I. Sorry, I apologize for the inflection I, in my I, voice. I, I, I was yeah. trying to have a moment where you know I'm right a lot. <laughs> so you were, admitting but I'm you not. Were wrong. I'm not 100. Yeah. Last night, I and thought you were it was important that. that Drew Holiday have a good offensive game. Yeah. He didn't really, no. and still was very valuable to, to his team, and his team still won. It was exciting,
3: and it was fun. That game, there was a stretch where Phoenix was playing so well, you know, just making all those shots, just playing terrific, and I'll be daggone. The Bucks come back and beat them anyway. And my admiration for that team is climbing. I, I liked what I saw. And Giannis has been terrific, like you said, Middleton. Uh Just this fun
1: stuff, man. Who wants this to end? Not me. Um, you know, your whole key to the game. Here's where you were wrong. How about this? Your whole your whole key to the game. Your whole key to the game was the Bucks have to make shots. It's a make or miss league and they need to make them. That's not what I said, but I I said they need to do better than
3: they have done at times during the postseason.
1: Well they they suck shooting the basketball last night (laughs) and still won. But what did they do? They cause
3: turnovers, as you alluded to, and they win after second chance points.
1: Hustle, hustle stuff. None of uh, neither of which is make your shots. (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter if you miss your shot if you go
3: get the offensive board and you know make the next shot.
1: Not your opinion yesterday. (laughs) I didn't really stress this. I don't know. <laughs> not your opinion. I did not stress this. Yes, I found something you were wrong about. Oh, Here's where I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's where you were wrong. I well, what? I mean, at some level, you have to make some shots. They shot forty percent from the field <laughs> and twenty-four percent from three. Yeah. Yeah, not, not good. And the Suns, on the other hand, because you love looking at uh, these <laughs> shooting percentages, the Suns, 51.3% from the field. Not great from three either at 30.4, but still okay, above so cir-
3: 50%. Circle the areas that won the game for the Bucs. I'm not beyond, saying you're wrong about what that. What just
1: I'm saying you were wrong yesterday. <laughs> I
3: didn't. I don't even remember hitting this that heavy. So <laughs> it, was, it was like you could half pick out the 6 o'clock hour. Oh, what God. are you talking about? <laughs> Not true. <laughs> you are a bad man. I'm gonna call him Naz and I'm gonna say, Naz, I'm feeling I em- I empathize with you, you know, the stuff you gotta put up with.
1: Well she's not gonna answer because she's out of town. So. <laughs> <laughs> When she leaves town, she doesn't pick up herself. <laughs> not, not, she, not for me. She would automatically assume I was in the hospital or something. If you were to call, if she were to see Gordon on the on the phone, she thought he had a stroke while on the air. No. All right, I won't bother her
3: then. But anyway, uh, this is you got to admit, Jake. Here's another place where you were wrong. You said this series was had no real appeal
1: to it. You know what? Some storylines certainly have developed. Um. I didn't think Giannis was going to be Giannis in this series. There's, there's where I was wrong. So I, I, you know, and so that that is certainly a major, major storyline that has emerged. Not to mention a a comeback on the Bucks part, rattling off two wins in a row. I mean, that's going to make uh, you know anything more interesting because as the Suns, the 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 favorite, the team with home court advantage, wins two, everybody's kind of like ho hum. But then the response. That makes the series much more intriguing. Yes, it and does. honestly, as big of a story as Chris Paul was, how well he was playing, the Bucks' adjustment to him, I'm trying to put this nicely, the Bucks' adjustment to him has also added intrigue and is a fascinating storyline. Because mm-hmm. now, how does Chris Paul adjust his game or the Suns overall, how do they adjust their game? You know, yeah. I kind of laughed at the the storyline that Giannis has figured out the Giannis wall or whatever because it just seems so convenient after the Bucks won one game. But, you know, how much does that matter? How does Phoenix respond to that? How do you put a lid on on Giannis? Well, and that,
3: that is, uh, I agree with you completely that that is part of the intrigue here that the entire basketball world's eyes are on Giannis right now because of the way he's playing yeah. and the effect he has on the game. But he's getting help from his teammates, too. Like You mentioned the defensive help, the offensive help. I mean, this is fun stuff, man. I know there are a lot of Jazz fans out there who it's too painful to watch or for whatever reason, you know, it's not their team involved. If you love basketball, check this stuff out because it is, you know, the adjustments you were talking about, the star play, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the last two games, the Bucks have played with real intent. I mean, they had to win those games. They had to win both of those games, in my opinion. And they came through. And they were trailing in that game. And they fired back and played the way
1: you hope your team will play when they face some adversity. So, tell me if I should feel guilty about having this opinion. Because, you know, you're judgy. You'll be able to. Uh, should I feel guilty about well, this? I'm not judgy, too. Uh, but I will give you my opinion. So, a big storyline in the these playoffs have been injuries. We've talked about it on the show. It's been talked about nationally. LeBron has, has been vocal about it. What I like about Giannis and what he's doing right now is – he should probably not be walking, <laughs> let alone dominating basketball games that's, you know what I it? you know what I mean like yeah. like here's a guy honestly we all we all saw the injury, you know we all saw when he did it, and there's no way that he's a hundred percent or probably even close. Now, maybe he, he found a genie and magically was healed. I don't know. But there's no way that guy's 100%. We don't hear anything about it. Yeah. He's just out there making it happen for his team and for his franchise, and I'm guessing sucking it up on a fair amount of pain. And is it too Neanderthally to like that? <laughs> Appreciate that?
3: No. Is it
1: too, I mean, is it too judgy to the other players I mean, because like we talked about yesterday, your body's your body. And if you can play and be effective, you can. And if you can't, you can't. But here's a guy that absolutely would have the excuse to be rolling around on the ground every time he's fouled Uh or, you know, limp to the locker room uh, after a half or, you you know. Or miss shot. All the the theatrics that we see from other players. I mean, this guy would have the excuse to do all of that. We don't he we don't see any of it we don't hear any of it and the dude just goes out and balls unless he really doesn't feel hurt
3: okay I, I don't know I- it's that- amazing to me that he is playing at all like you said walking but he is playing like it doesn't really bother him
1: see you know what I don't this is, wait, wait, I don't do like see that opinion a, no, but do
3: you do you see in a some sort of Pitching his giddy up no but that doesn't mean
1: that it's not there well, there's there's that's no true. there's no way that you sprain your knee and two weeks later you're a hundred percent that's not possible we could get we could get a doctor on the horn <laughs> but I don't think that's possible how long have we seen you know we how it took Donovan Mitchell he had a sprained ankle not a sprained knee but I mean sprains are yeah that can be bad it's bad yeah so but, I I, but, I I there's I think it cheapens it by going well he's probably a hundred percent already well I don't know how do we know that he's playing like he's a hundred percent.
3: it was clear that Donovan could not get the lift that he normally has, and I think he would have done that if he could have. Yeah, and that's why I said so. Wanna, to be honest, uh, is 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 hurt. But he still can play. He can make a play like he did that we'd already described, which was a remarkable play. Uh, am I supposed to assume he's in pain and he's doing it anyway? Or am I to assume that he's limited in some way, but he's doing it in spite of that? So that's Or what do said- I look at him
1: and say, man, he plays like he's not hurt? So that's what I'm saying. Is it is it Neanderthally to have this opinion to appreciate that is that unfair to other players? I, I
2: mean is well, that is well, that the know. wrong message to send? It, I th- just the, think
3: the only way you would know that is is if you were an examining physician for the Bucks and you knew exactly what was going on with him. How are we going to know that? And I know that some players do hide their injuries and they do everything they can to conceal them
1: and others Play them up, but like that, but that's what gambling. I'm saying. Is it is it okay to consider playing through it a virtue? Yes, that's okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Because sometimes I don't know anymore. Because I don't calling out injured players on the radio, is, is not cool. It's not my body. You know, I don't know what they're going through. So if it's not fair to to be judgy well, about that, is it is it fair that to with Kawhi when he's with the Spurs? True. I'm not saying I'm innocent <laughs> here, I, but I, you know what, I, uh, I try not to. Yeah,
3: it's it was hard. kind of the
1: lesson that you learned through the Carlos Boozer years, because there were a lot of times where everybody out there thought this guy should be going and yeah. could be going, and yeah. he wasn't going.
3: And some of that was the the extensive nature how it was prolonged over time, right? And, and the need for the Jazz at that moment, they really needed him, and he he, he didn't go.
1: But you've got to so ask yourself, is it people. really okay to be be basically calling a guy uh soft soft let's go with soft basically calling a guy soft because you believe that they should be playing even though it's it is his tricky. body yeah. not your body yeah it is like tricky. that's not really fair yeah. right but so is it fair to appreciate somebody who's playing through something for the, the virtue of playing for his team? Well, part of the problem with
3: the aforementioned uh, example with Kawhi is that his own teammates were doing that.
1: Which was, that's why at the time it was so odd. You remember talking about that at the time? You're like, yeah. this doesn't happen. Yeah. A coach doesn't call out a player for being hurt and being out for so long, his teammates don't call him out. Yeah. This, is, this is a thing. Like this, and, and there had to be some desperation in there, too. Like, you're going to leave anyway, so we're going to call you out? I mean, I don't, I don't know, but that was such an odd thing. Well, I,
3: I thought that existed with the Jazz through the Stockton Malone years because those guys so rarely got hurt. And I think there was peer pressure on that team coming from the two leaders. Like, hey, I'm out here playing. You better be out here yeah. playing. And that can be that can be good, and it can be really bad, depending upon what a circumstance is, uh, and 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 there's no way to know it, like you said, unless you walk in those, in those, uh, Nikes or Adidas or Cons or whatever.
1: All right, we're way over. Uh, I want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. Davis Vision loves teachers. If you are a teacher who needs LASIK, Davis Vision wants to uh, give back. Schedule a free consultation appointment and inquire about additional savings to their summer sale price. Call today, 801-253-3030, or simply go to davisvisionmd.com. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the Day today is ACDC, selected by Eric, and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and uh, and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. We had a very upbeat conversation during the break. (laughs) I used one of my favorite curse words like 15 times. Um, (laughs) Quick tease, we're going to talk about Bryson DeChambeau coming up at uh, 3.30. (laughs) <laughs> he had an interesting. Did that have
3: anything to do with your usage of certain words?
1: Yeah, we. Yeah, it might have. Uh, but yeah, he had some interesting thoughts after his round at the Open Championship today. Uh, See, if you don't. Yeah. Okay. No, go ahead. No, no, I'm just
3: saying that any golfer uh, learns early that if he has a bad round, he's got to find something to blame, right?
1: Well, well, okay. I don't know about every golfer. <laughs> You haven't learned that. I don't think I've ever blamed my clubs once. No, in in my history playing golf. Did you think it? No, because the clubs aren't the problem. <laughs> the golfer is the problem. <laughs> yeah, but yeah.
3: yeah, but nobody wants to come to that 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 that, that moment for uh, for realization.
1: Uh, are you paying attention at all to the Open Championships?
3: Uh, yeah, I'll pay more attention to it as it goes Spieth on. Spieth had a good day. Yeah.
1: Five under 65. He's one back of uh, Louis Oosthuizen. How's uh, Rory? Uh, let me see. Wasn't he uh, doing okay for a while? Uh, apparently not uh, anymore. <laughs> okay. Brooks Koepka's at one under. Let's see. you really going to make me? Ricky Fowler's at one under? Oh, Are, really? Are you really going to make me do this? No, I'm sure okay. there is a more efficient way of finding on this uh, leaderboard, but what are you going to do? Bryson DeChambeau was at plus one, so that's not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Rory McElroy, even, shot an even 70 today. Good for, tied for 48. So did Tony Finau, an even 70
3: So today. what's going to win this thing?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, are going
3: to play subpar golf throughout? Well, uh, six ten? under
1: from and yeah. is, is not bad. Uh, I, you know,
3: sometimes what were the conditions like? Because that can make a big difference. I think they there. got
1: worse in, uh, in the afternoon. Yeah, I think you were better if you played early. Have you, have you ever played
3: in the wind and rain? Yes. And it does, the wind especially. I, I was playing a golf course once in Southern California. Oh, okay. Really long course. Oh, okay. And and it I'm telling you, this has happened to me twice. Once down there and once at a golf course on top of a mountain. I lived in California. The so, 405's a mother. <laughs> and and I hit a club that was normally I probably would have hit a five iron. I hit a oh I hit a I hit a fairway wood. And I hit it as hard as I could, and it went like 150 yards. I mean, the wind just grabbed it and threw it straight down. Hard to play in. Oh, yeah, well, you don't say. <laughs> Shocking. I, I would rather play in rain any day than wind.
1: Well, how hard's it raining?
3: <laughs> Have you ever been hit in the head with a golf club?
1: Hitting the head with a golf club.
3: Uh What was the question? How hard was it raining? Well, it
1: wasn't it wasn't a tropical storm. (laughs) Like Caddyshack, the hard stuff's not gonna come down for (laughs) for a while.
3: Yeah. The most oft quoted movie in the history of movie making.
1: Is that true? Not 100 percent sure, but that's got to be like generational too, right? Well,
3: for I, I, there, I went a good 20 years with with uh, never finishing a round without somebody making a, a reciting
1: a quote from that movie. Oh, that's happened to me a bunch of times. Really, yeah. not one round of golf without somebody making
3: a during Kenchick that reference? during that stay from the 80s to 2000. Yeah, Gunga Galunga over and over over again
1: that's like the the 100th most quotable line from that i know movie. i just picked one <laughs> <laughs> well what, what, what did you hear Cinderella story that one get that okay yeah a right, big hitter the llama <laughs> so I you get that one a lot uh, uh yeah uh
3: <laughs> What's the one? I had a buddy get, used to call him. a free bowl of soup that. Yeah. no,
1: but it looks good on you. I had a buddy who used to call his putter Billy Baroo. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Is it holding up okay?
1: Probably not. <laughs> it is funny though. You know, Bill Murray's brother wrote that. Yeah, he's in it too. He is in it, mm-hmm. but he he also wrote it. You know, most people know he's in it. Not everybody knows that. No? You don't say. (laughs) All right. We'll have more coming up next. Uh, Stay tuned. Sam Amick is going to be on the show at 4. Bob Casper at 4.30. And our friend Ben Anderson from KSL Sports will join us at 5. want to remind you about our friends at SoundSleep Medical. Do you snore at night? Are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? SoundSleep Medical can improve your life. Visit SoundSleepMedical.com today. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: This is the big show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Presented by Big O Tires with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust.
1: It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 the zone. We'll have what's going on coming up right around the corner. We'll check in with DJ and PK. Uh, they had, uh, 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 I don't know if it was impromptu. Joe Ingalls show this morning I'm not sure how long the the planning went into it but I was not expecting it and Joe of course jumped on and I'm sure he was in a great mood after Team Australia beat uh, <laughs> Team USA and I haven't I have it, I all uh, admit I have not had a chance to hear it yet but we're gonna play a portion of it coming up today in what's going on so he's uh, he's having fun in Vegas huh? I would guess well it means a lot to him um, yeah. Joe I mean if you've heard him with those guys talking about it 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 really means a lot to him. So,
3: Well, Joe, he grew up admiring these players who played on the national team in Australia. He didn't grow up watching NBA games. I mean, he saw them every once in a while, but it's not like he wasn't your typical young basketball player who wanted to be LeBron James one day.
1: Well, and the other thing is the Australians have traditionally really sucked. And this group has been together for—will this be Joe's— Third Olympics or second Olympics, but this group—Patty like Mills, yeah. you know Baines—all yeah. these guys have been mm-hmm. together. And when you hear Joe talk about the camaraderie, I mean, it's it's one of those like this is a really big deal to them, and their whole goal has been to get a medal. And they were really close in the the FIBA World Cup or whatever they call that thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, and they are they are motivated to be on that uh, on that medal stand. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that.
3: Well, you want the care factor to be high, you know,
1: right? Well, we got into that a couple of days ago, where the care factor is for some of these Team USA guys. Yeah, but I, for Team Australia, it's it's, it's a big it's deal, a really big deal. Yeah,
3: yeah, and and of course, Joe played in the uh, in the National League over there. Uh, that, he played for the Dragons. I have no what idea what was that team's name.
1: It wasn't the Dragons because the team he played on came to town a couple of years ago. What was that team? I could find that. But anyway.
3: It's important to them. And that's cool. So, yeah, they they have a shot. They have a shot at a medal. I don't know if they'll get gold, but they're pretty good. Not so good to beat Team USA. You wouldn't think. At least not
1: on paper. It happened. It did happen. That's true. And Joe loved it. So are you going to be on Team Australia then? Are you going to be like me and uh, move off Team USA? Pick another team to root for? Uh, Let me
3: get this straight. You, Jake Scott, are rooting against
1: Team USA. I don't know if I'd view it as much rooting against as I'm going to pick somebody else to root for. Uh, That's unlike you. (laughs) It is unlike me to a certain extent. But, you know, Team USA, they're good. Uh, uh, I'm gonna watch them play. Probably enjoy that a little bit, but uh, I, I kind of got that underdog side to me that I'd like to, I'd like to see a big upset. All I'd right. love it if Team Australia toppled Team USA at the Olympics. Now, if I said that, you would be ganging up on me like I'm anti-American. Somehow. I would not. I've held this opinion for a while now. I've told you, I, Team USA is only interesting if they lose. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is true. When they beat Argentina, nobody said a word. Nobody cares. Because <laughs> it's like, well, you should do that. Moving on. But they lose to the Nigeria and Australia,
1: and the sky is falling. Yeah, because they're only interesting uh, if they lose. Because they're such heavy favorites, and should be, by the way. But that that's not interesting.
3: And I wonder what the addition of the three players who are playing in the NBA Finals will do for that team. I yeah. wouldn't go
1: if I were them. <laughs> just, I really would. Just pass on it? Well, cause Wait a the, minute. Who the just, opening who just ceremonies tested? is like days later. Who's in COVID protocol now? Bradley, Beal, Bradley and, Beal and Jeremy Grant. But they, I think Jeremy Grant's was more of a contact thing. And he can—now, don't quote me. I need to read into this a little bit more. Uh. But I believe he can test out of it, whereas Bradley Beal, I think, had a positive test. And so he's his availability uh, remains in serious question. So check me if I'm wrong on this. There's Team USA proper— and then is there the select team that's made, how, made up of right. players younger who, players, yeah remember Gordon Hayward participated in that years ago, yeah. Donovan Mitchell participated in it, yeah that that infamous uh God, I can't remember how long Kyrie Irving had been in the league, but there's a famous anecdote where he was like a rookie or second year that he challenged Kobe Bryant to a game of one on one when he was on the select team, and Kobe was on the the big boy team, and he, how'd that go Kobe? Took it to him a bit, (laughs) according to legend. Well, there is also that
3: story on the Dream Team when the Dream Team was facing those college all-stars. And I think they challenged them pretty good, if I'm remembering correctly. That did not sit well with that particular group of players who had an enormous amount of pride.
1: Well, and then there's and that. Bobby Hurley
3: was on that team, on that uh, college team, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: There was the, uh, that uh, it came out in The Last Dance, right, where they talked about that pickup game in practice. Again, well, with inner the, in their squad. Yeah. yeah. You know, how cool would that have been to see? Because what they said, at least in the documentary, was everybody was giving it. A hundred and fifty percent, because there was a lot of ego and all that <laughs> sort of thing on the line. How fun would that have been to just be sitting there watching? Oh man, and watch this team take it to one or another. These legends going head to head. I remember in subsequent years, I think Reggie
3: Miller was part of this, but there, there was a, was a, it was a, it was Team USA from a few years later, and they were saying how they were just as good as the Dream Team, and I laughed out loud at that. That uh, that collection of talent was the single most impressive of basketball talent I think in the
1: history of the planet. Just my opinion. It wasn't Buck on the couch though? He wasn't even playing, right? Oh, I th- I think he was playing. I don't think so. Nope. Was he? I could Maybe be wrong not. about that. Well, let's see here. When did Magic Johnson <laughs> retire?
3: Did he come back and play on that
1: team? He did come back and play. So when did he retire the first time? Because he, he officially retired. Retired at ninety six. So maybe I'm wrong about that. I can't remember. I seem to remember. I thought he was retired and came back for it. What a remarkable team that was, though. So I know I'm not, you know, going out on a ledge
3: here saying how great that team was, but my goodness, I mean, you look at who was on. Is Isaiah still mad that he that Stockton was put on there instead of Isaiah? I'm sure he is.
1: And do you believe that uh, Jordan kept him off?
3: I don't know. I've heard that story a thousand times. Well, that story
1: came up on the last uh, dance documentary, too. Uh (laughs) That's pretty cold-blooded, if that's true. (laughs) But hey, MJ, kind of a cold dude. When someone gains that kind of power, what are you going to do? I just love how petty he is. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I knew he was petty before I watched <laughs> that documentary, but then watching that documentary, it's like, wow. But his pettiness is what motivated him to be so good. So this negative trait in his personality, where he's like the most petty human being alive, ironically enough, led him to be the greatest. All true. All true. I think my favorite part was when when uh, somebody was giving Gary Payton... Like didn't Seattle get a game or something like that? And and I I should remember this exactly, but uh, but everybody was going, oh, this Gary Payton the glove man, maybe maybe the glove stands a chance against MJ, and somehow he spanned that into (laughs) everyone saying Gary Payton's gonna is better than me, gonna shut me down, and he goes out and just takes it to (laughs) Gary Payton. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh
3: man, those that that was. When we asked Gordy Chiesa the best basketball that he ever saw played in the NBA, he said the 90s. And that team was in the heart of it.
1: I think it's interesting that John Stockton held out so long to do that, that his interview's in it. And you know what? I don't blame him. And I don't know if Carl turned him down, but if I were Carl, I would have turned him down. Because Wait, What are you talking about? The Last Dance documentary. Oh, okay. Because every interview – Jordan got the last word. Yes. (laughs) Funny how that works, huh? And Jordan got to look at what you said, but you didn't get to look at what Jordan said. (laughs) And I'm sure some guys jumped into it like, yeah, I'll do a Michael documentary. Absolutely. Get back in the headlines, and then it's just Jordan roasting you. (laughs) Which he was wont to do. Right. I think they called Brian
3: Russell, and he was like, nope, not doing it. I've always thought that these these players who are great competitors are not very well adjusted. Some aren't, certainly. I would agree they're, with they're, that. No, there's yeah. something wrong. And yet and yet that kind of competitiveness is, is
1: is trumpeted as such an admirable quality. No, these people are sick. And yet it leads to success. I mean, honestly, um, if, if – the William sisters' dad wasn't the way that he was. <laughs> would they be who they are? Tiger Woods' dad. If Tiger Woods' dad wasn't the way that he was, would Tiger Woods be as great? As... So it even applies to family members, right? So, if you're a parent and
3: you have a child and you're a huge, hugely into a sport and you want that kid to play that sport, and you are going to actually do some psychological damage to that child, but he's going to go on to have a great sports career, gain fame and money and power and status. Is that a good idea? If you really care about your kid?
1: It's a tough question. It's a tough one, but what's the answer? Oh, there isn't one. And people, everybody would give you different answers. I bet you, well, I don't know, but I would suspect
3: that if you laid that out in front of a whole lot of parents uh, and said, yeah, there's going to be some damage done here.
1: But, but, they're going to go the other way. They're going to go with the butt. I don't, I and I know we're way over, Eric, but I, I don't know the whole story, the, the whole, if you look into Taylor Swift's story, I don't know what kind of parents her parents were, but I do know that when she was young, like, Teenager, maybe early teens, young. They uprooted their whole life and moved to Nashville hmm. because they thought that she had this monumental potential as a, as a musician. a oh, they were right about that. But can you imagine the pressure that that puts on a young child? Oh, yeah. Where your whole family uproots everything, just drops everything on you? and puts it on you? I mean, I uh, again, I, I don't know the full story and if Swift has ever talked about it or whatever, but I, I can't imagine being a teenager and having my family... Say well, it's on you now. <laughs> we think you're pretty good. <laughs> and how old was she? I don't know. I have to. I'd have to look into it. But I mean, her first. Eric, you you're uh, more in this generation. When how old was she when she had her first hit in the country world? She was like sixteen, right?
2: I I like Taylor Swift, but not country. Sorry, but she I was young, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, she was probably like she was probably the age most like. Pop stars are these days. Like Britney Spears, relevant. the same thing
1: with her. Right? L- look at how that is turning out. Like, yeah,
2: still fighting. I know more about like Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish was like 19 when her first kind of hit stuff dropped. And then this this new girl, Olivia Rodrigo, who's like the next kind of thing coming up in pop music, is like 18, like barely out of high school, basically.
3: So, let me just lob that question out there to all our listeners. You have a kid, and if you you go ahead and put all kinds of pressure on that kid to the point where it does some damage to their well-adjustedness, but they go on to great success in sports, is it worth it? And I'm talking about the kind of damage that will cause them some pain.
1: Uh, by the way, In 2004, at age 14, Taylor Swift signed a music publishing deal with Sony-slash-ATV, thereby becoming the youngest youngest singer in the country's history. So a a small
3: uh, company that nobody knew much about. uh.
1: And then two years later, so she was 16, in 2006, Swift signed with Big Machine Records and scored her first top 40 hit with Tim McGraw. She then released four more singles and a self-titled album.
3: I was joking about the small company. I see. Um, All right. We, yeah, we, we, uh, good for her, she's, she's, she's had the success, but what's, what's going on behind the, yeah, eyes I
1: can't, side? I can't imagine the, the pressure that that would put a 14 year old kid under. That's, that's amazing. All right. The top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30. Hanson Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as they catch you down at the start of the college football season It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and icon only right here on the Zone Sports Network. Uh, What's going on? Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.